Welcome to the Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup being brought to you by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. I'm Susan Littlefield. Another fun, interesting week, and I use quotations when I use the word fun. It's uh, been an interesting market that's seen a lot of outside market influences, even within uh, the agricultural sector themselves. We're going to look at what's happening with weather in Argentina. Harvest continues here in the States with some much welcome rain in parts of the Midwest uh, during the week. But then you got to look at the bigger picture as we move into 2024. And should we be doing some locking in of prices? We've got a lot that we need to focus on today. So stick around. We've got more coming up. Imagine a future fueled by soy-based possibilities. A future where creativity and productivity live together under one roof. A future that takes you from point A to point B to point Z, all while ensuring brighter tomorrows for our next generation. A soy-based future? It's already here. And welcome back once again. As you can see, joining me today, Sean Hackett with Hackett Financial Advisors. And we've got Darren Fry with Water Street Solutions. And gentlemen, it has been an interesting week, another roller coaster ride. It seemed like one day you think the next day we would be holding steady and the market just kind of went all over the screen. Uh, to start out, I want a nutshell from each one of you, uh, what you saw as maybe the highlight and low light uh, of this week's market trade. And, and Darren, I'll start with you. I'd say the highlight is just how we bounce back from the inventory and small grains report that we had at the end of September. We saw the market get pummeled uh, into the weekend, and we did bounce back from that, especially corn and wheat. And so that was probably the highlight. Um, as far as the, the low side of the, the optimism here of the market, or I guess the, the negative part, would just be how beans are acting so poorly. We see the products uh, with, with bean oil having a really bullish fundamental story but still sagging, still lagging behind, and obviously meal still not ready to go higher. And that's had the beans more neutral to lower here, even after the report. And I think to add on to that, uh, boy, the energy markets, not natty gas, but heating oil unleaded and obviously crude really got smacked this week. And I think that's hurt the bean oil a little bit as well. Sean, for you? I think it continues to be the massive confusion of where we are in the monetary economic cycle. Are we in a recession? Are we still growing? Is the tightening cycle over? Is the dollar strength waning? And all this is having a great impact on not on the people's perceptions about future demand versus future supply and what that looks like. Crude oil being a great example, not that I understand all the inside workings of crude oil, other than to say that it, it, it you know, the market had this big surge on excitement over constrained supply. And then when it looked like it was going to be higher rates for longer and, and, and we got some weakness in the, some of these economic numbers, all of a sudden it was, there's no demand for gasoline. Let's take the market down. And I think this back and forth confusion of where we are um, is very unsettling and it, it makes it very difficult for any market to get a trend going other than brief periods of volatility up or down until we can clear the decks about where we actually are with this cycle right now. And obviously we're not quite there yet. We're going to need some more time. So let's take a look at, at what's going on with the natural gas, heat oil. What concerns do you guys have? I mean, we're into October. Weather's going to get colder. Um, folks looking at into 2024, which makes them think fertilizer use as well. What are some things we need to be thinking about? 
Well, I, I'll go first. I We've already locked in Natty Gas out through the end of 24. We did that a few months back, and we locked our fertilizer in through next year. I think that, um, especially talking with Sean ahead of coming on air, uh, this weather situation could be problematic uh, and meaning higher energy prices as we get into winter. And obviously, uh, fertilizers are going to follow those higher. And so, you're only going to get Natty Gas so cheap. It got pretty cheap. It's really had a nice rally this week and probably has a lot more to come. And even though the crude and the heating oil market broke hard this week, it's not over. We still have upside. So farmers need to be booking some inputs, in my opinion, and getting that stuff locked in because I think we have higher prices to come in the next 12 months. What about for you, Sean? I agree with Darren. Um, you know, we were blessed last year with an extremely warm winter in Europe and a Western winter here in the U.S. that saved the natural gas market from a much uh, more caustic scenario. Our weather work, which is a El Nino Mordecai, which is a central sea surface temperature uh, focused El Nino, supports an eastern half cold U.S. winter. And when you look at where demand really comes for natural gas and heating oil, getting back to the crude oil complex, it comes from having an eastern based cold snap in Europe is looking like they're going to have at least a normal winter, potentially colder than normal. So when we throw, look at what's going on with natural gas in storage here in the U.S., we keep narrowing the gap to the five-year average. In fact, it looks like when we get to the end of October, at the end of the of the increase season, you know, we might actually be at or slightly below the five-year average at a time that you know we weren't we, we really didn't have a lot of supportive weather for it. So I really think that their danger zone. Everybody last year was looking for the crisis. Now no one's looking for the natural gas crisis. That's usually what when something happens is when everyone is forgetting that the, the that the risks are still there front and center. I'd be very concerned about it right now, and I agree with Darren. Locking in those prices, even after some of this rally we've seen, still makes sense. Prices are still attractive. Yeah. There's been a lot of chatter, too, about what's going on um, with South America. We're so focused here on our harvest and trying to get things done. They're trying to get a crop planted. And I did some reading earlier this week that says things aren't going as well. And it looks like the old weather pattern has uh, flipped a little bit. And we're sharing with the guys to the south. What are you, what are you seeing? What is, what is some of the biggest concern? Let's start with the weather in Brazil. I'll let Sean go first. Um, <laughs> we have a very uh, unique situation. Uh, we have a situation where we have this developing El Nino Mordecai, which actually produces very unfavorably dry and hot weather for the northern half, especially Mato Grosso. But we have the atmosphere is actually not responding in an in a El Nino fashion. Things like global angular momentum and Pacific decadal oscillation are highly negative right now, which is actually a response usually you see when we have a La Nina, which gives you that dry weather in Argentina. So so we have a situation where we could have this dry weather for Argentina, getting those acres down, getting the crop off to a poor establishment, and then getting the kicker with Brazil actually getting into trouble this year, which it did not have last year. It's a very unusual situation to have both countries potentially getting into trouble at the same time. But it looks to me and us with our work, that's exactly what could be happening, which once again says a lot of risks that the market is not pricing in at this moment in time. And Darren, aren't you hearing drought concerns um, for this corn crop in Argentina and wheat yeah. as well? Is yeah, there is. I mean, they got a real problem down there. And and we know the conditions are uh, of the wheat crop there is not rated very good, high and good to excellent. 
But I think it's really a, a concern because this is like the fourth year in a row. They've started off way too dry. And if you look at the soil moisture maps, the root zone maps, I mean, they're starting off with fumes. And just like our Western Corn Belt, when you don't recharge in March and April or February, March and April, and that's what they're going through right now, then you're probably not going to get more rain as the summer goes on. It's that springtime where you have to do it. And it's just not produced any meaningful moisture. In fact, it is very concerning. And so they could be looking at a, a downsized crop, but just north of them in southern Brazil, I mean, they're getting like 20, 25 inches of rain a month is I think what they've gotten here recently. And they are on tap for even more here over the next five to seven days. So just erratic weather down there. And that usually doesn't produce bumper crops. So speaking of bumper crops, something we haven't heard a lot about here in the States. What do you see, um, Darren? I'll start with you. Some selling opportunities for our farmers as they get moving from dry land to, to irrigated crops. Well, you know, the irrigated crops so far, they're still off of last year's pace. And I think that had something to do with uh, the extreme heat at different times or the fact they were so dry, their subsoil out west that they couldn't pump enough. And so it just didn't keep up like normal. But I would also say that, um, you know, we're, we're seeing a lot of variation even in Illinois and Indiana where crops have been better, but a lot more variation west of the Mississippi. As far as selling opportunities, uh, I think I would stick it in the bin or if you have to sell it, I'd reown it. Uh, I'm looking higher as we get into this first quarter. I do think China needs more grain than what we understand. They've taken a lot of sorghum. They're taking wheat now off the PNW. And I think eventually they take corn and soybeans. If any of that weather comes to fruition, like Sean talked about in South America, uh, they'll be here for beans and corn. You better believe it. Not fast enough, though, if you ask some of the producers, right? Well, a few more months. Patience isn't a lot of people's virtue, you know. So, well, Sean, do you have any thoughts on on selling opportunities? Well, I mean, dovetailing what Darren just said, I mean, what we follow very closely is this post-African swine fever herd rebuild that needs to take place in China for the third time, which is where I think some of the demand is starting to come in from China, starting to show activity again and getting some corn and getting some soybeans needing brought in. And as we get further into the end of the year and into 24, we feel that demand is going to be much better than the current dire forecasts that are out there. And if it then dovetails with a South American weather problem, then throwing your grain in the bin right now and looking for opportunities to sell over the winter months seems to me like a solid thing from a risk management point of view to do. All right. You talk solid makes me think butter. You and I had this conversation before Darren joined us uh, this afternoon. Butter is doing very well for this dairy industry, unlike the cheese market. Well, remember, most of the butter comes from your milk out west, especially California, and they've had continued trouble with high costs, poor weather, poor government policy, or at least let's put it this way, not friendly government policy. And so um, production of butter is just not there. The cold store stocks are very, very low, even if demand is horrible, like everyone says it'll continue to be. And I'm not sure I believe that. The, we're going to be on fumes come December when we finish the drawdown phase for butter. So that's why the class four price, when you look at the, uh, you know, it's trending around 2021 and the nearby price, which is a pretty good price for class four. Class four prices typically lead class three prices by about three months. So even though cheese market is still got some indigestion to have some extra supply to eat through, I'm pretty optimistic that the uh, devastatingly low milk prices we saw over the July August timeframe is likely in the rearview mirror at this point. 
Well, gentlemen, this went way too fast. We could continue talking. We should have an after show after show. I appreciate both of you joining us today. Thank you for having us. Thanks, Susan. Appreciate Just it. Just a reminder, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable to all investors. And that's the Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup.